Hi, friends. Merry Christmas. It's day three of the 12 days of Christmas here at That Sounds Fun. My name is Annie F. Downs, and I'm the host of this little Christmas party. I hope you have enjoyed it so far. Day two with the lovely Tish Oxenreiter and our first day with Santa Claus. Be sure to go back and listen to those when you have a chance. Hey, the music in the background is from our friends Rend Collective. You can also hear them on the show last week. I'm loving their new Christmas album, A Jolly Irish Christmas Volume 2. That's what you're hearing behind you. And I hope you're playing it in the background of your life, just like we are around the office. Okay, y'all, today is a really special day. Today is the day that pre-orders start for my new book. I'm so excited for y'all to read That Sounds Fun, the book. You love That Sounds Fun, the podcast. Thank you. And now it's time for the book. It's the right next book for me, and it's also the right next book for us, for where we are in the world right now. And, And you know this from listening to the pod, fun is really important to me. And this book will tell you why, some reasons you don't already know and some stories you haven't heard and also invite you to prioritize fun in your life too. So head to your favorite retailer wherever you love to buy books. Remember Barnes & Noble, the first 3,000 are autographed. You can get them from Amazon or you can get them from your favorite local book retailer. And there is a fun pre-order gift, especially that you podcast people will love. So head to thatsoundsfunbook.com to get all that information. And have you seen all the fun new merch we have at shopanniefdowns.com? Earrings, hoodies, hats, prints, listen, all the gifts you may need. We got them. And if you want to read the Gospels as part of your Bible reading in 2021, we've created a beautiful reading plan for the whole year. I hope you'll find something that you love. Our guest today is Chip Dodd. His new book that he co-wrote with Stephen James is called Hope in the Age of Addiction, and it is out right now. Chip is a teacher, trainer, author, and counselor who's been working in the field of recovery and redemption for over 25 years. He founded the Center for Professional Excellence and Sage Hill Counseling here in Nashville. We talk all the time about the importance of counseling and taking care of our hearts and minds, and I'm really excited for us to hear from Chip about how we can do that. Uh, Let me give you a little mini BFF warning. This is probably one you want to listen to first before you listen to with your kids because we talk about some things from childhood that have impacted our lives as adults that I think you'll want to hear first. So here's my conversation with that friend you can like find a couch to settle into at the corner of the party with and have a heart-to-heart that you've been needing to have. That is our friend, Chip Dodd. You can call me Dr. Chip Dodd or Chip or uh, Chippy. I would never call you Chippy. I can't imagine. (laughs) I'll go with Chip, but I do want people to know we're going. Chipster Chippy. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I bet you've gotten all that in your life. Um, Thank you for making time to do this today. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm Uh, so grateful. Anybody that gets time to be with you, it's a joy. So I I got the invitation. I was like, absolutely. Move it. Move whatever. Let's do it. Well, it feels such an important conversation wherever this is going to go this morning. Yeah. Uh, because, and this is truly unplanned. Yes. This is tr- <laughs> This is how we do every episode. This is what we do. But when we got a copy of you and Stephen James's book, Hope in the Age of Addiction, How to Find Freedom and Restore Your Relationships, I, hilariously, I thought, this is perfect for 12 Days of Christmas. Yeah. Because— Bring the joy. Bring, yeah. <laughs> and my gracious, how many of us see our family who are addicts once a year? Yeah. <laughs> or someone can sniff out our addiction— at yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or we've been alone for an entire year, and we look back on December of last year, and we didn't drink this much alcohol. Right. Or we didn't do any of these things. We didn't look at pornography like this. Mm-hmm. But we've been isolated mm-hmm. for a year, and all of a sudden, the things that were casual are not casual anymore. They become more open, and it, it's become like a substitute, truly a counterfeit relationship that blinds us even in some ways, to to shame. Mm. I mean, we're not even in some ways ashamed enough to really hide it anymore. We're, we become so removed. Addiction is right. so tricky. It literally will make something abnormal normal and something normal abnormal. Mm-hmm. Normal is to be in pain, mm-hmm. to be have sadness, to have joy, to hunger, to want to be with family during these times. In fact, we need to talk about grief in the holidays too while we're in it yes. because it's what you know, running from grief or having grief sets up addictive movements, right? Addictive, okay. you know, actions. But in so many ways, we're, we crave family. We crave connection. We're so hungry to be with each other. And in so many ways, uh, if, if there's enough disappointment, 
over the time, or there are enough rules to say you can't admit how close you want to be, or people can't do oh, emotional wow. closeness, then the holidays are really a time of numbness and pain, the need to be numb, mm -hmm. or the need to not tell the truth. So they're stressful if I can't tell the truth, and if I need to numb, that's where the addictive processes come in, that, you know, the the, to the drinking more than normal. And, and you know, think about Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving is, uh, uh, I think Turkey has, I think either tryptophan or sort of yeah. a, a melanonin. Something that uh, messes yeah. with you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. makes you sleepy. Mm -hmm. So we drink too much, eat sugar, lay in the dough. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> as a way to numb out in some ways to avoid the feelings of sharing, which the Thanksgiving's wow. actually about. Yeah. Uh, because the Thanksgiving is vulnerability. To be vulnerable is what we're, we're called to do in family. Mm -hmm. And yet if you can't be, then it increases the pain because we're made to be connected to each other in family. Is that why sometimes I'll feel or my friends will feel, someone will feel that family can actually be more challenging than just your friends? Yep. Yes, 100%. And you know what? I've, I've watched this year. I've got this little theory going that we're told, COVID-2020, that we need to back off from being together at Thanksgiving. Yes. And I've watched this happen, too, that that what's wild is that we are, at root, in many ways, an approval-seeking addiction people, that okay. we're addicted to approval, addicted to being affirmed, addicted to yeah. appearance. Yeah. And so in so many ways, when COVID first hit, in some ways, it was like a joke. On, on the front end, that we get to stay home in our pajamas. Yep. And everyone was sort of relieved from needing to go from to work. From performing, yeah. From performing. It was relieved <laughs> from performing. I can wear the coat and tie, so to speak, on the front end, and then wear, you know, pajamas. And on no the, pants, on, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so even the whole fashion industry started with, you know, like dress up pajamas yeah. and, while you work at home. And so that was a relief from which is wild, a relief from the stress and pressure of having to perform to be accepted. Right. Okay. So, but what's happened is the very thing that gave us relief also points out that we're created for connection. Okay. So we're not getting the connection that we're made to have. Right. Literally not getting it. So we get stress relief from our primary addiction of people pleasing and approval seeking, right? Okay. Yep. Performance. Yeah. So we're relieved from that. But when we're relieved from that, we're alone. Yes. And so we're stuck between being alone and having just contact, which isn't connection. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feed our hearts. Right. And Contact the, versus connection. Contact versus important. connection. Yeah. And then uh, are facing the stress. So who wants the stress? Well, no one, because stress right. raises our anxiety. Stress makes us sick. Stress makes us seek relief from the, the struggle, the having to be in it. So I think in a lot of ways, people are secretly happy not to be together at Thanksgiving. Mm. Reduces the pressure. But what's tragic is that at the same time, we're so made to be with each other, yep. family, friends, yes. whomever. And yet, if we can't be with each other truthfully, then it's almost not worth it. Mm. So people are relieved from the stress at Thanksgiving, but set up to be alone. And we, if we don't have the tools of grieving, if we don't have the tools of connection, then the very thing that gives us relief is sets us up for going to addiction on the other side. Mm -hmm. So we're wow. really stuck, uh, Annie. And the, the sadness for me is that in, in, unless we get recovery from performance addiction, which I think millennials are real big on, on being tired mm -hmm. of having to look a certain way, act a certain way, yeah. you know, do a certain way to be accepted. And yet at the same time, if they don't do it, right. they're not accepted. Right. So, And would you say we all kind of do? I mean, because there are people that go, I'm such a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. But for all of us, you're saying this is like the core addiction the core you deal addiction. with is, it's, it's, is acceptance. It's the core. The, uh, underneath all addiction is uh, control addiction, mm -hmm. having to have control so that I won't have to have pain. But that's driven by the need for approval. Wow. And which, which is we get it through performance because who we were really made to be isn't accepted. In fact, we're close to Christmas. If if you look back at look let's just listen to one song. Yeah. One song. You better watch out. You better not pout. Yeah. You better not cry. I'm gonna explain things to you. I'm gonna tell you why. Santa. <laughs> yeah, because Santa Claus has come to town. Yeah. Oh boy, suddenly the joy is not so much joyful and the yeah. fun is not anticipated. That that stanza is a threat. 
Uh, it's like uh, uh, he knows when, let's say he's making a list. Yeah. He's not just making a list and checking it twice. He's making a list to look who's messing up. Yes. And he's checking it twice. And then he goes on to say he knows when you're awake. He knows when you're asleep. He knows if you've been bad mm-hmm. or good. Right. So he's looking for the bad. And then it says, so be good for goodness sakes, which is sort of a euphemistic way is for the sake of God. You wow. better watch out. So performance addiction to That's be been rewarded. In us forever. <laughs> I mean, and we sing it. We yeah. sing it to our children. Oh my gosh. And we're we're threatening them with and all the great you know, the entertainers, all of them have that song on yeah, that album. Of course. So it's like a it's it, it goes beyond all the bounds of ethnic group and yeah. race and yeah. religious orientation. Right. It's like, okay, kids, let's gather around. I want to threaten you with your need to perform. You better wow. perform or you're not going to be loved, you're not going to be rewarded, you're not going to be cared about. I mean, that's a little bit of the Santa thing. <laughs> it's a Santa thing. Then we threw in the elf on the shelf. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm watching you all the time. Yeah. So, so, and then we, we've got a society that is always watching in terms yes. of, you know, appearance, approval, performance. Mm-hmm. And so we're all set up to be loved through cosmetic alteration, be loved through achievement and power, to be loved through whoever has the most money has the most friends. And it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's absolute lie because we're so hungry just to be connected and cared about for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we need to be to be loved for ourselves. We also need to be affirmed and guided and uh, joined with and uh, have security and to belong and matter. I mean, our needs are really underneath our performance. How do we... How do we get our needs met, Chip? <laughs> we, we, it, what's amazing is the very thing we're running from, we get our ne- needs met by, one, actually feeling our feelings. Yes. Literally identifying what's happening in my heart. Mm-hmm. Because the, it turns out that, that even neuroscience is really screaming this finally, is that the, the thinking brain, one of the main purposes of the thinking brain is to articulate the internal experiences of the emotional life, to be known. Like we're literally, literally born looking for who's looking for us. I mean, it's wow. we we even talked just a, a little bit. Uh, the the evolutionary biologists yes. who I think are off track, but they're coming closer and closer to biblical truths because they're saying it's a biological imperative, which means for survival of the species to them. But it's a biological imperative that we be together. It's a biological imperative that we're literally wired before we ever have our first thought to reach out towards each other, for the caregiver to receive the newborn and the newborn to look for the caregiver. And unless the two can meet, I'm not okay. And alone is more frightening than death to the newborn and to to all of us, really, in so many ways. So we're we're literally wired for connection, and we're going to have it one way, or another. So we we have to start with by identifying that need, and that need comes to us through feelings. Mm -hmm. And feelings tell us we need to be connected. Like if I'm sad, I'm needing comfort. And there's the hope in that. Oh, my sadness awakens me to who can be my comforter. Mm -hmm. Loneliness is like who can be my friend, because loneliness awakens us to the hope of relationship with God and others. And fear awakens me to who can help me through this danger? Who can show me how to do this thing I don't know how to do? And then even anger is, I'm willing to be in pain for this thing that matters Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go for it. So identifying our feelings awakens us to our needs. And our needs are there to get us to reach out the same way we were born. We're made to cry out, reach out, and take in. And Annie Jesus in Matthew 7 says, let me tell you about grown-ups, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, let me tell you what you need to be like when you grow up. You were born uh, crying out with your feelings, reaching out with your needs, and then taking in the food that would allow you to grow strong and healthy so you can become somebody who contributes, right? Fruit bearer. And Jesus says, basically, when you grow up, you don't give up how you were made. You grow up Mm. what you were made like, how I made you, to connect. And then you become a person who can ask, so you can receive. So crying out turns into asking, so you can receive, which means you trust and hope and have faith in fellow humans and God, and you know that you're made to grow and grow up and produce and make and shape and contribute. And so like bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, so to Uh speak, which will uh never be completed here, of course. So 
ask so that you shall you will receive. Seek, reach out, oh, yeah. and you will find. Knock, take in, knock, the door opened, and oh, you go gosh. in and you sup, you eat, and you have a doggy bags to take home with you <laughs> to share with your friends. Yes. So ask, seek, knock is wow. the grown-up version of cry out, reach out, take in. Wow. So we're made to crave, and we're made to crave connection, which makes us stronger together, protects us from evil, yeah. keeps us in community with each other, but we're only in community when we're being truthful. Mm-hmm. Feeling your feelings, telling the truth about what's going on with them, mm-hmm. and being able to give them to the process, give them to each other and God. And then all of a sudden, we're all in this together. Like we become loyal to each other. We befriend each other. We share each other's sorrows, and we increase each other's joys. Mm-hmm. I have a dear friend who uh, lives out west, and he just was basically earned a $70 million payout. Oh, my okay? gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> he, like more than an SEC coach getting fired. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's real money. Yeah, that's real money. In fact, I asked him, I said, what was your payout? He said he was very hesitant. Yeah. And I said, look, man, we've been friends for years. Yeah. And, he's, and he told me. And I was so thrilled. Like, oh, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. fantastic. And then he opened up more and he said, you know, the hard part is finding places to put it. Huh. And every one of us goes, oh, poor guy. <laughs> and, you know, and then the 70 million is like, can I have 1 million? Yeah. You know? But the fear of him telling me was people pleasing, approval addiction, mm. need for control addiction, that if I let you know the fullness of the bounty that's coming to my life, you won't celebrate me, you'll resent me you'll reject me. So I want you to know that we're even made to celebrate with each other, but we've got to have people in our lives who will celebrate with us. It it doubles our joy. Yes. And then somebody to be with us in our sadness cuts it in half. It feels easier to find people to mourn with you than to celebrate with you. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Why are we not good? Now, listen, you're talking to the girl who loves fun and loves throwing parties. So, uh, But I'll say I'm good at throwing parties. I don't tell people when I have professional successes. Yes. You know, cause, because I'm embarrassed. Yes. So why don't we invite people to celebrate with us? Yes. And, and I think it's one, one is that, that uh, we believe because of our past experiences, one is we're, we're trained not to let people know because mm-hmm. it's called bragging. Mm-hmm. Or we also fear that if you start celebrating uh, God's goodness in your life, that <laughs> you'll be squashed yeah. because we don't trust God. <laughs> really, right. We don't trust know. our friends or God. We're doing great. <laughs> Humans are doing great. And, and the truth <laughs> is that we, we've been, we've, we have found out because of our own hearts and others' hearts that if I celebrate, I will be resented or jealousy mm-hmm. will take over. I'll be uh, stabbed in the back. It'll cost me more it, than the fun. It will cost me more than the fun. Yeah. But there's nothing much more fun than celebrating together something great. Yeah. And it's wonderful if people can celebrate you for something great in your life mm-hmm. because they simply absolutely love you. But they can't do that unless they feel like they already have something in their cup. Do you know, I I, yeah. I do not believe I will ever do a $70 million anything, Yeah. okay? And I'm at the latter stages of my life still working on how, now how does the money for retirement work, okay? Yeah. So I'm saying I don't have a full bucket. But what I am saying is that I love him. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like uh, helped mentor him years and years ago yeah. uh, before he went to Harvard. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and I went to his graduation yeah. doing his MBA, and, and, and I'm an MTSU alum. And I was just waiting to, like, okay, let's just get this over with because yeah. you're from Harvard now. Yeah. <laughs> and, but he has uh, remained a dear friend, and uh, I have nothing but joy for him because, for me, um, my life is I have a passion. Yeah. Uh, I have a direction. Yes. And uh, I'm not looking for somebody else's life. I'm busy living my own. Yes. And I have the great good fortune that, you know, mammon or mm-hmm. money— mm-hmm has never superseded mission for me. And yeah. I'm so fortunate. You know, I've gotten to live uh, the, the mission and vision of my own life. So, which is a lot about what your new book's going to be about that yeah. you were telling me about, which yeah. is so thrilling. Yeah. It sounds so soft on the front end, but you're talking about so, such a deep well. Well, 
Hey, friends, taking a short break from this conversation with Chip to give a shout out to our amazing partners, Embrace Movement. Our daily faith routines often live separately from our health and wellness goals, but they don't have to. Embrace Movement was founded to combine these two journeys into new workouts and faith talks for every day of your work week. Founded by 10-year personal trainer and CrossFit competitor, Andrea Ager, Embrace Movement has created a community of passionate and godly women that invite one another to build strength that lasts. From nutrition to talks about how to pray in tough times to postpartum resources and live workouts, Andrea brings her gift of teaching to all fitness levels from a Christ-centered and holistic approach. Spend 30 minutes each day growing stronger physically and carrying God's word throughout your day. Our friends here at That Sounds Fun can get one month free by using the code FUNHOLIDAY. Fun Holiday. So get more information at EmbraceMovement.com. That's Embrace, M-V-M-N-T.com and use our promo code FUNHOLIDAY. There's also a link down in the show notes. And now back to our conversation with Chip Dodd. Before we started, you said something about that, about anyone who's in their passion isn't controlled by lust. Yes. Will you dig into that? Because I think that's yeah. super important theory. There was a, a okay, so this, this uh, young friend of mine, and I think anybody that my heart is attached to, I consider a friend, mm. but not an acquaintance. Yes. Uh, and Me so, too. I'm, I use friend liberally. Uh, yes. And, All of our people listen. They're our friends. And, and mean it. Yes, you, I mean it. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's real. Now, the, the tough part is if you're approval-seeking and control-addicted, you have to please all those people, mm. which makes you withdraw from them or right. limit them. Right. But if if you can be truthful, like you're my friend, but I don't have time to be with you. Yes. But it doesn't mean I don't love you. Yes. Uh, then if they can accept that, then they're y'all are really friends. Yeah. If they can't, they were looking for you to do something that that I know, can't do. That anyway. Jesus can't even. Yeah. Do. <laughs> That's right. So I was talking to this young man, and he was literally a month away from getting married. Oh wow. He was talking about how afraid he was of getting married. And he would go to the gym. He's getting in shape for his honeymoon, uh-huh. right? So he'd go to the gym, and he's working out. He's scared to death of being married because, like, marriage is, like, forever. It's the only contract you sign that you really can't get out of, like, because even divorce, you don't get out of it because you did it. I mean, right. so I'm scared of, like, being with one person the rest of my life. Like, what if things change? So all of those insecurities. So he sees another uh, uh, female at the gym. He sees a female at the gym, and he's just like looks at her, and she kind of glances at him, and he starts infatuated with just you know she would be incredible. Now mm-hmm. she she would never be somebody I would be scared of. So he's making up this story. Wow. And then they have his, his conversation, and then it's like one time he said he even went to the gym, saw that her car wasn't there, and he left. Oh wow. like why would I go? So his fear of intimacy. Fear of signing up for something that you don't, you know, you plan to stay in forever. Signing up for the hard work of not knowing what the future is going to hold. Signing up for like hunger for connection also means that I'm going to deal with struggle. Yeah. Real life. I'm going to have to grow. So what happened was he and I started talking. I said, tell me what really matters to you. Tell me what really matters to you in this life. Tell me where your, your life is headed when you're not distracted. And he began to talk about his passion, this willingness to be in pain for these ideas that he has. And he began to explore and explain to me again about what he plans for his future and how uh, he's already organizing this, these ideas around the direction for it. And then right in the middle of that, I stopped him. And I said, now tell me, where's this woman at the gym right now? And he said, she doesn't exist. Mm. I said, exactly. Wow. So I want you to know that, that you're made to live in your passion. And passion means I've got something that I'm willing to be in pain for that matters more than the discomfort or the pain. Mm. So now tell me now about the love of, that you have for this woman who you're marrying. And he begins to tell the story again. I said, now, tell me where the other woman is. He said, uh, sorrow, she doesn't like. I said, so you're scared. He said, I'm scared to death of the, all this mattering to me so much that I'm willing to be in pain. But like, what if it doesn't turn out well? And what if it doesn't? And what he was struggling with, as we mentioned before, is that we're literally born, Ecclesiastes 3, with eternity in our hearts, but we don't know the end from the beginning. So we're born with eternity, this craving for the fullness of everything we're made to have in this life, 
but we don't have control. Mm-hmm. Now we've got the, the, if you can't handle the full craving for life and life to the full, which is going to mean struggle and pain and difficulties and need of each other mm-hmm. and sticking with the herd and staying connected no matter what it costs, then you can't live the passion in that e- eternity within you. And then therefore you have to find ways to, you know, find comfort in the dark. And the dark is where lions hunt, so to speak. You know, there's a... I think that's such an important visual for us. It is. You know, the uh, St. Peter says in, in 1 Peter 5, and I'm going He's on my a, favorite. I love him. Okay. Well, I'm going on a bit long. I love no, him too. Are you kidding? Are you this okay? is great. Okay. Okay. Yes. okay so Peter, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, says the humbled will be exalted, will be raised up to like to glory, okay, which was, which is like to be light bearers. But humbled means coming from the dirt. Coming from the dirt is coming from the womb. Mm. Coming from the womb is coming from creation. We're literally coming to this life dirt. We're made of dirt, but it's stardust. It's divine dirt. It's yeah. God's creation, creative impulse that literally living in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so humbled isn't a bad thing. Humbled means, to, you know, to recognize, to see who you're made to be so you can go do what you're made to do. Yeah. We're feeling creatures who have needs. And we're hungry to be spiritually connected. We carry eternity in our chest, and we want to live it out in every way we can. But we're stuck between east of Eden and west of glory. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible's full of the story of that struggle. Yeah. Got to be able to struggle well. Well, Peter goes on to say, cast all of your anxiety upon him because yes. he cares for yes. you. Now, that's a baby thing. Anything that bothers you, this is translation, anything that bothers you bothers God. Mm. Anything that bothers you bothers God. Anything. The splinter in your finger, yeah. if it bothers you, it bothers God, which means you're made to be able to speak it, say it, express it, acknowledge it, don't run from it, don't live in denial of it. So God cares for you, anything. It's like he literally, your sadness is his hunger to comfort you. Mm. Not hunger, but his desire to comfort you. Sure. Your loneliness is, is his desire to be with you. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, or, or to send someone. To, to speak with you. And there are miracles all over the place that when we're open to it, we see the people who are there. Yeah. So then he goes on to say, and this is the, this is the really important part too, for those of you who aren't humbled, it says, but beware, for the deceiver prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone. It's indiscriminate. Yeah. Anybody will do. Yeah. Someone to devour. And, you know, when I st- studied that, you know, there's the, the lion symbol in Scripture, which is like the glorious lion. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the lion, like Scar from, from yeah, Lion King. Yeah. There, there's Simba, and then there's Scar. Yeah. But this is the Scar lion. And he says that a lion hunts for stragglers. A lion hunts for those who are separated from the herd, uh, the crippled, so to speak, who won't acknowledge their need to be helped. Right. And the lions pounce on them. Hyenas hunt the same way. They wait for a straggler and then they attack. They wait for the wounded and they go after them. So in our wounds and in our being crippled, in our need, in our feelings, in our in-birth, cry out, reach out, take in, we're literally made even more so to be with the herd. Right. But we're trained. If you can't perform, then we don't want you on the team. Mm. Like, but but wait a minute, I just like being alive and I want to perform, which means f- express my life completely. Right. But you mean performance like a grade. And if I don't climb to the top <laughs> right. of the ladder fast enough, then I no longer have a right to be with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And Jesus came to say, it's that's all wrong. So when you grow up, you will remain humble. And in your humility of need for each other and me, Watch out. You will be exalted. You will be exalted. I will take your pain, and I will promise you an outcome that even you could not have planned. Wow. It's real. Yes. Because God has has literally promised us four things that are very real, but it challenges us to the core, to the point that we'll run off into lust. That's it. We run off into addiction mm-hmm. when we... Ab- yep. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead with those four things. We, he says, I will always be with you. Mm-hmm. That's Emmanuel. I will uh, go ahead of you. It's like a story of Joshua. I, yeah. I'm, I'm already wherever you go. I've already been already there, gone, yeah. and I'm waiting on you, even when you think you're running from me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, you talk about the ultimate parent. Yeah. 
the one that 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 always leaves the door unlocked, lights yeah. on, the table set. When you're ready to come back, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. prodigal father. Mm-hmm. So, and then the third thing is, first one is, is, is I'm always with you, Emmanuel. That I go ahead of you. The third promise is, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is that I will make you strong and courageous. So all of those are the inborn experiences. Cry out, reach out, take in. And by doing that, you will experience those four promises to be true. Because our strength, our real true strength to stay in the passion, to stay on course, to stay in the dream, doesn't come from our own self-will. It comes from lingering uh, at the tent where God meets us and speaks to us as a friend to a friend where we can pour out our hearts. We go home, so to speak, and say, this day is turning out a lot worse than I thought it would. I thought X would happen, but Y did. Mm -hmm. And so what do I do and where do I go? Because you said you would be with me, and you said that you would never leave, and you said. And then we have to wait in the process, or we have to struggle with our contempt towards God. But God doesn't have contempt towards us for having shared what's going on inside of us. So how do we identify when when we're there, when we know those four things that are true, one or four of them are not meeting our expectations yes. and breaking our hearts? Yes. And then that's when uh, Pastor Kevin used your book a couple of weeks ago and taught off of it. Did, I don't know if you saw that, but he uh-huh. said one of the things he talked about is that verse that says your desires will lead you to temptations, something yes. like that. And I had this light bulb moment, even yes. though I've been a believer for 35 years, of like, Oh, that's exactly right. If I trace my whole life, every temptation, every sin that that comes at me that I'm a part of, it actually stems from a really true desire. Yes. And so I sat down Monday in my journal and I listed out the things I desire and then I drew an arrow and I wrote the sin that I participate in because of what I desire. Wow. And I thought, well, no wonder I do that. I'm actually craving this. Yes. And no wonder I do that. I'm actually craving this. And I had this moment with the Lord where I was like, Oh, I need every time this happens again, I want you to remind me what I, of what I really want, not what I'm going after. Because that's where addictions happen, right? Absolutely. And there is a see, if we actually read the word of God through the eyes of how we're created, mm-hmm. and then the God who created us, and then the context of where we live, this is a war of love for something, mm-hmm. you know, this is a it's a tough battle. But in James 1, he literally says, do not say that God tempts you. Yes, it's that verse. It's the one right after that. Oh, you're that. kidding me. Yeah, keep okay. going, keep going. So he says, look it up. He says, yeah, and, and, and I got to see a little glimpse of that sermon, so I knew that he was going to be talking about hope and age addictions because it's yes. like, by the way, he's daring, and I, I love that man. He's, I said the same thing yeah. to him, Chip. You I did? said, you did not give us milk. You gave us yeah. meat on yeah. Sunday, and yeah. I'm so thankful yeah. you don't shy away yeah. from saying, it, it, y'all are sinning. Yeah. Stop sinning. And, 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 and left people staring like, yeah. what just happened? Yes. But it's, it, and it's not an, it's not an attack. And, and so James says, he said, what happens to us, he says, it's your own evil desire. In other words, you have desire to run away from the vulnerability of your neediness that happens when you crave for something. Yes. Craving makes yes. you vulnerable. Yes. So... If you run from neediness and run from vulnerability and run from admission of your need for help, that desire will become an evil desire. Yep. And then it says, then you are dragged away by it, trying to fulfill it yep. without having to be in need. Yep. And then you're enticed. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're enticed and dragged away. That's what the wild part is. Right. You're dragged away and then enticed. In other words, you're going to find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You'll find the affair. Mm-hmm. You'll find the person, something to do in secret. You'll find that little hookup somewhere. And hookup, mm-hmm. I don't mean sex, just hook up with whatever. Yeah. You're going to find a deal, a way to make a, a dollar bill, so to speak, without having to really pay for it. Yes. That you're going to get a cut, a deal. Uh, you're going to get some special tax break because of who you're connected to. Yeah. And so uh, a way we to, find what we're looking for. It always do. amazes me when people, yeah. I, two people I know, have an affair. I'm like, how'd y'all do? Well, you found what you were looking yes. for. Yes, yes. And and I've always said to to men and women that if you say you can't have an affair, you probably will. <laughs> if you say that you could, you probably won't. Yeah. In other words, you already know your heart, and you know that if you don't have your needs met in legitimate ways, mm-hmm. you will find illegitimate ways to do it, yes. which is what an affair is. It's an illegitimate att- attempt 
to get legitimate needs met mm-hmm. in an illegitimate way. Yes. Proverbs 7, amazing passage. It's labeled the adulterous woman, but it's really not about her. Mm-hmm. It's really about this guy. It says, we saw a simple a simple young man. And simple means he didn't know the where that he's coming or going. Yeah. He's not taking ownership of what he's feeling, mm-hmm. of what his real, what his real uh, intention is. Uh-huh. So it says, I watched him. The wise man is watching. He says, I watched him just go out at dusk. Dusk is right before dark. Where we, here we are again. Uh-huh, here we are again. Wow. He went out and was just kind of like hanging around, just looking around town, just wandering. And then, oh, out of, all of a sudden, this woman stepped out and she said, you know, my husband's gone. I have peace offerings. And it's like, oh, I've been looking for you my whole life. Uh-huh. Little does he know. But he found what he was looking for because he was simple. He didn't have ownership of what was happening inside of him and didn't seek help. He says, look, man, the truth is I'm so craving some sense of fulfillment. And yet, you know, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on, on over there because I've heard about this place, these mm-hmm. people. And instead of asking for help, he said, well, I'll just go walk and see what happens. But, you know, if you don't decide before you go, then more than likely what happens where you are will be something you weren't planning. Ooh, that's it. If you don't decide before you go, Chip. We would tell the addicts Ooh. in treatment all the time, man, we don't, we don't have the luxury of getting up and just seeing what's going to happen. Yes. We've got to resolve ourselves before we step into the life. We've got to know what's dangerous, and we've got to know also what we're really looking for. And we need to move towards what we're really looking for. Otherwise, danger will find us. That's really the center of Pastor Kevin's sermon. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Of, of We have so much to learn from people in recovery yes. because they are so intentional and yes. they're so thoughtful yes. and they're so honest. And the people the people in recovery to look for are not the ones who are just not using. We, we need to look for people who have recovery of how they're made. Oh, because wow. a lot of people in the recovery world will, will, will cheapen what they could have. They just get sober. Mm. They're just not using, <laughs> but they haven't found what they're really made to have. So it's recovery. They've off. got self-control, yeah. but not healing. Yeah. Self-control is can be done with just enough uh, prison wardens around you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Enough boundaries and yeah. you can't leave a square, it, it, yeah, but that the, doesn't mean you're healed. Yeah. If the dragon's <laughs> breathing down your neck, it's like, well, that's, I'll do what the dragon says. That's but the right. moment that dragon's gone, I'm on my own again. That's right. So we have to have that transformation within, yes, which means returning to being relational creatures with a relational God in a relational life. Yes. And it's the only way we would make it. How do we know, for our friends that are listening that have a lot of, drink a lot of red wine in a week or are Googling things they shouldn't Google sometimes, yeah, but not, I mean, they're not addicted. They're not drinking a bottle of wine a day, but... How, how do we know the line of addiction? How do we know when we're in trouble? Yeah, addiction is ultimately controlled by uh, secrets. Okay. Okay, so secret, a secret, you have to ask yourself, is this something that if someone knew I was doing, a friend, a real friend, yes. then they would say, hey, what are you doing? What's that about? They would censure me or they would question me or I fear they would reject me and think less of me. Mm or they would judge me, or they would try to stop me from getting to whatever it is, yes. right? So secrets means that I've gone and I've found this place that does something for me that real life doesn't. Wow. Okay? Okay. So, and if we don't find a real relationships in real life and be able to struggle well in that, then because we are hungry to be connected, mm-hmm. gratified, then we'll find it some other place. So it starts out in secrecy, like like I I drink before I go to the party, mm-hmm. but I don't tell anybody I've already had two drinks because yeah. they may not have enough there. Yeah, something like that, or because I don't want to drink four when I get there, so I'll and pre-game I don't too. want people to see. Yeah, yeah, sure. So really, it comes down to being able to say, is is my life known? Mm. Am I known from the inside out? So it's not an amount because it, it's not at a frequency. No, it is where are the secrets? Yes, where, oh, that where, is wild. It, it is. Yep. And then when I think about not doing this, does my life seem empty, uh, despairing? Wow, disastrous, sure. lonely, overly difficult, um, so full of sorrow, 
then usually at that point you're telling yourself, oh, it's no big deal. I could let it go at any time. Mm-hmm. But when you feel it in your gut, like, oh, I would really hate for that not to be there. Right. Then um, you're off. You're, okay. In other words, you're, you're powerless over this thing. And the more you try to control it, really kind of the more unmanageable, secretive, removed from relationship, your life right. comes. But listen to how close addiction is to uh, the full life. Because when I think about no longer having Sonia in my life, who I'm married to, when I think about the years we put together and the years I look forward to, when I think about not getting to see her, Mm -hmm. okay, I don't know how in the world I could do that. I don't know how I could live without that. Yeah. So addiction is a substitute for the healthy experience of I don't know how I could live without that. Oh, wow. Because we're made to be afraid of living without that. How could we live without God? How could we live without love? How could we live without friends? Which takes us to gratitude. And that doesn't mean you're addicted. It just means that we were built to not know how to do life without Without connection. Connection. And so I love that you're, you're, you're helping me make this point because we're made to crave. Yes. And if you can't crave which means really willing to hunger for life and be in pain related mm-hmm. to it because I'm dependent on Sonia. Yes. She could walk in one day and say, you know, I've been thinking. <laughs> in fact, that was my dread. <laughs> Maybe still is in some compartments of my mm-hmm. life. That She would walk in one day and say, you know, I've really been thinking. I just don't love you anymore. Wow. And then she said, I've already got a ticket. I'm leaving. I'm like, what? You know, there's that Part of me that happens to people. That happens to people. <laughs> yeah. But see, if you're going to crave, there's your risk. Yes. There's your risk. And so, therefore, your craving has to be willing to be uh, something that you're willing to be in pain for. It has to matter more than loss. And that's how the wow. great things are done. I mean, that's how the great wow. things are done. Like, you, you, I, I imagine you've shared your story about your growth just here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was you and Jenna. Yes. Like yeah. a year ago, right? <laughs> a year ago. I yeah, walk in and I see this all-female staff doing stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, around your your produce. Yes. Do you yes. know? And that's risk. Yes. And so you had to be willing to be in pain. Mm-hmm. Like now I've got all these people. It's like <laughs> uh, there's money involved. I got to keep going to work. <laughs> office space. Like, oh, <laughs> where's the fun? But the fun uh-huh. is in, in actually the passion. Yes. A willingness to be in pain to struggle to see where God's taking it. You have to be trusting that God's already gone ahead of you. Otherwise, yes. you lie in bed worrying. Right. And you know, by the way, gratitude and worry, okay, yeah. they can't live in the same space. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So at Thanksgiving, I mean, this is a time really— That's a real interesting mm-hmm. pair. Uh-huh. Because you don't usually hear gratitude with worry. You hear gratitude with disappointment. Yeah. Or gratitude with sadness. Yeah. But but really, the counteraction for worry is gratitude? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It really is because worry becomes like the obsession of not having control. Mm. Yeah. And, <laughs> and gratitude is the memory of that you're not alone, that things turned out okay, mm-hmm. that somehow you did survive. Yes, there was pain. So gratitude is the memory of God's presence. And God's presence wow. also means Prayer and meditation, God's presence is also the the the, the great book. What would we be without right. that book? Oh my gosh. The, the the real book. Yeah. Truths. There's one thing I want to be addicted to. That yeah. <laughs> I would love to be exactly. addicted to the Bible. Well, exactly. So it's like there's <laughs> there's what we we misnomer, but we call it healthy addiction. It's like yeah. I'm made to crave that connection. Yes. And I'm made to drink deeply from that fountain. Mm-hmm. So I guess you'd say God's the ultimate bartender. He never runs out of, <laughs> That's right. of the booze, so That's to speak, right? right? That's right. So God's presence in our lives is circumstances, too, uh-huh. that we, we've got to be able, if, if we're in gratitude and we know that God's with us, when life happens, we're not saying life's happening to me. We're actually saying, what's God teaching me? What's life teaching me? What are these cir- circumstances showing me? Where's the opportunity? Do you know? Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about our incredible partners, Third Love. You've heard me say it before, but it's as true today as it's ever been. Third Love makes the best bras. If you're not sure about your size, you can just take the Third Love's online Fit Finder quiz to find the size and styles that are right for you. 
a few simple questions, and you'll find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. That's it. Over 15 million women have taken the quiz to date, so you'll be in good company when you take it. Third Love donates all their gently and return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. And so far, Third Love has donated over $20 million in bras. Isn't that awesome? It's something I'm proud to play a teeny role in. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for every gal. So right now they are offering my friends 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash sounds fun right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash sounds fun for 10% off today. And now back to finish our conversation with Chip. I think part of the teaching around gratitude is just make a list or, or go around the table and say what's great. Yes. And, and sometimes I worry that that has taught me that it's embarrassing to feel the sad things. Yes. Well, when, you know, we started this, this uh, podcast this morning that, that about October 20th, the rhythms of life, how uh-huh. we're creative, uh-huh. about October 20th, our sort of the windows to the heart open up. Our, our craving for connection really opens up. And On October 20th? About the 20th because <laughs> ha- harvest, okay. gathering, oh sure, uh, celebrating, being together, sure. the work of summer and is over with a movement towards oh, resting yeah. with each other, yep. sharing with each other. And then we've got Thanksgiving, Halloween, hallowed time, yes. Thanksgiving to be together and to love each other, and to share what we've missed, mm-hmm. to share what we've had, to share who's no longer there. Yeah. And then we've got Christmas, which is really, if, we, if we're if we really truthful about the joy of Christmas, it's because uh, long lay the world in, was the sin oh, holy, and sin and error. Pining, pining. yes. Yeah. So we were alone. Yeah. And then he and came. And longing, pining. Yes. <laughs> and then, then he came. And the world found its worth. Yes. Oh, so grief to celebration. Mm -hmm. A little did Mary know that the the one, the baby that you're holding will soon, that you delivered will soon deliver you. Yes. But like the baby you're holding will also be ripped from your arms. Yes. And will be hung on a cross. And you will feel an anguish that every mother is terrified of seeing, feeling, or knowing. She would much rather die on that cross than him, but she couldn't because he, she needed him. Yeah, to do what yeah, he was doing. Yeah. So, so Christmas is actually a time when we take account of all we've lost and the places that are disappointing where we've been. But oh, holy night! We have we Christians actually have this joy within us that is inescapable because the hope we have found is complete. Wow! Meaning. That we have the we we literally have how he created us. We're connected. Now we don't always feel it, we don't always know it, we don't always experience it. But by faith we have it, mm-hmm. and so gratitude brings us to the recognition that if all else is lost, we still have him, and we still have glory coming. And that's where the the we forget so often that that because in so many ways the comfort of America that we have the core okay. Our hope is fulfilled by knowing where we're going. But the, the struggle wow. is in walking there. Right. Yeah, and that's going to hurt right. because it's loneliness and fear and sometimes doubt and struggle. And that's how come it's like sometimes when I don't have it, Annie, I need to look over and say, do you have it? And it's amazing. You'll say, I got it today, but you better pick yours up too because I may need yours tomorrow. <laughs> right. Together, we are more than we will ever be apart. Isn't that something? Yes. Do you know? So Christmas holidays open up this window to the soul, and it really exposes everything we need to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. But the gratitude comes through the recognition of long lay the world in sin and error pining until he came, a holy night, down on your knees. I love that song. Yes. And think about that. A holy night's one of my favorite hymns was one of my father's favorite hymns. Mm. He died on December 18th. Oh, wow. And I asked that that hymn be sung uh, at his funeral. Well, now I never hear it without missing him. Yeah. That's a decade, more than a decade now. And then Sonia and I, right after his funeral, went to uh, Disney World. 
just to oh, go wow. after Christmas or just you know in January. Take your boys. No, just us. Oh, I, mean, I we love did, it. Just, I know, two old yeah. people. Like, no. What are y'all doing here? That's Get awesome. Get out of that Winnie the Pooh ride, sir. Yeah. <laughs> You're way too big. <laughs> I love your, that. Your knees are up in your face, yeah. sir. <laughs> you can't see the ride. <laughs> but it was amazing, God's tenderness. Everywhere I turned during that whole trip yeah. of 20 days after he passed away, Oh Holy Night was playing somewhere oh, wow. at Disney World of all yeah. places. So it's like, God... Thanks. Yes. But that was sorrow and thankfulness. Mm -hmm. Do you see? So so gratitude really does push worry away mm -hmm. because we have security in how we hope and who we hope in. Yes. I have been in counseling since 2013, pretty regularly, yeah. weekly sometimes, monthly sometimes. Healthy people do that. Oh, listen, well, see, I'll tell you. The, the, the sick the, folks are out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the work has been, I mean, I can tell you for seven years, the work has been, will you feel your pain? Yeah. And if that is the only thing she says to me, that has grown me significantly. Yes. Because before that, I wouldn't feel my pain. Yes. And so I had way more prone toward addiction behaviors way more chase the good times, yeah. way more avoid all the sadness. And and it made me unhealthy spiritually, physically, emotionally, yeah. all of it. Run, run, run. Yes. Yes. But there is something that I think I am protected. I am capable of every addiction. <laughs> I, am, I have been me long enough to know I'm yeah. capable of all of them. And you know, the truth is, everybody is. They just think they're not. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm capable of all of them. I'm uh, protected from them more than I used to be mm -hmm. because I feel pain. Yes. And know where to take it. Uh -huh. Don't run from it and share it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And and Annie, I mean, you're Annie Downs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have this, like, presentation mm -hmm. in the world, mm -hmm. do you know? And yet you know the truth that that, that presentation was grown through you becoming present. Yes. I mean, yes. the gift of Annie being fully alive as Annie. It took me I can't be anymore. Pain. Yeah. Who could have believed that? Yeah. I thought what you'd have told me, if we'd had this conversation when this podcast started in 2014, and you just said, the way to become who you want to become is to hurt, yeah. I would have been like, Chip, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. that sounds... You're selling a real bad product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there is something, and I've never looked at Christmas like this. And so I'm excited, quote, quote, to look into Christmas this year and go, how can this pain be for me? Yeah. How can how is this shaping me? Where do yes. I go with this? Versus because yes. I think with all of us, you mentioned it in the loss of your dad. With those of us who are friends listening, who thought they'd have a baby this year and they don't, thought they'd be married this year and they don't, had lost one of the million people across the world that have died from COVID this yes. year. <laughs> there, there is great loss and disappointment, and for some reason, Christmas. Reminds us of that more. It Why highlights is that? it. Yeah. It highlights it. Because it comes around every year. Yes. But so does like May 8th. Yeah. And I'm okay yeah. on May 8th. <laughs> but it's, it's the, it is the, oh, holy night, do you believe? Mm. And we're also facing that we're not living where we're made to live. And we're also looking straight in the face of loss, mm. struggle, mm. disappointment, um, uh, wishing things were. We're different. Right. And then also that we're made for life not to be like this. Mm -hmm. We're literally created for simplicity and desire, expression, and fulfillment. Those who delight in the Lord, he gives them the desires of the heart. Really? Uh, right. That's true and not true here completely. Right. So, I mean, it really is a time of facing that life isn't fair mm -hmm. because it will not deliver eternity to our hearts, yeah. even though we're literally birthed and created to experience it now. Mm -hmm. But it's like the answer is wait. Yeah. Wait. And then we start looking around our worlds and you see who did have the baby uh -huh. and whose father is alive and yeah. whose mother is okay and the couple that is healthy. And it's like, well, that's crap. Yeah. Do you know? And yet, if what was amazing was when I started the treatment center in 1996 and even before in all recovery... Mm -hmm. I used to think behind the front doors of the houses I would walk by that something magical was happening in there that wasn't in mine. Yeah, the, I always think. Yeah. Yep, and the truth is, behind those doors, 
same struggles, either they're running from them through counterfeit relief mm-hmm. or they're facing them and dealing with them mm-hmm. or just simply empty shells, numbed out, they're gone. Yeah. So what would you rather have? I would rather have a life and I would rather not be an addiction. You can choose suffering. Uh, rather, you can choose misery or you can deal with suffering. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's truthful suffers. And you know, the only people who... Anybody who is truthful suffers. suffers. Yes. Let's make a t-shirt out yeah, of that. Yeah, okay. Let's that's just remember, yeah. yes, we anybody right by who that is one. truthful yeah. suffers. Yes, anybody who is truthful suffers. Yes. And by being together with the suffering, mm-hmm. not self-pity, we are stronger. Yeah. A friend doubles your joy. We talked about my friend, who seventy million dollar friend, and halves your sorrows. Yes. So we can carry the burden of life and split the bounty of life with each other by sharing. It's real. Yeah. But it's it's life is tragic, and God is faithful, and the only way we can reconcile that conflict—that's a conflict. If God is faithful, then how come life is tragic? Or Okay, I'll just go and deal with the fact life is tragic, so God is just whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just not, he's just out there somewhere. We reconcile it through struggle. We struggle genuinely, and then we find each other and God in it. Yeah. It's real. Uh, but we're not home. No. Uh, it's a good and reminder. so we, we need to hurt well, because mm. hurt is there in us to call us to the hope of reaching for healing. It's not there just to, to kill us. Right. Okay. It may it, feel like <laughs> it can if we run from it. Yeah, that's right. Because that puts you out in the dark. It does. It makes you a, a it prey yeah. to a lion. Yeah. And addiction, if anybody thinks that addiction is actually freedom, I've heard people say, man, if, if God had died of an addiction, that'd be a great one. Mm. Addiction is not freedom, addiction is solitary confinement yeah. uh, while people are moving around us. Wow. I mean, it is the, the absolute standing in a muck of despair while everyone else looks happy. Right. I mean, it is a, it is a delusion that, that, and people will live in that psychosis from the age of 18 to 40 mm-hmm. and uh, miss everything they could have. And let us remember that really the only people Jesus could heal were the people who were in need. Yeah. I mean, who, can, who told them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the crippled, the the lame, yeah. the blind, the prostitutes, the drunkards, the people who would say, "I'm tired." Yeah, the yeah. bleeding woman. Yeah, everybody was touching him, but only one person got from him, and yes. it was the only one who admitted fully. She had to say it all out loud. I'm in need. She yeah. said it. Yeah. Let's close with this. Will you tell us? Well, we have one question we always ask at the end, so we'll okay. really, really close with that. But. I'm thinking about my friends who are in the grocery store and they're listening to this and they're just barely holding back the tears. Yeah. Or they're on the treadmill and they got to get off because they, they're, yeah. you know, yeah. the dad who's listening in the carpool line and he's just in his core, he knows something's not right. Yeah. What's our next move? What do we do today to start getting in alignment with what you're saying? Yeah. You know, even as you said that, I, I, I can't quite remember where it was, but. Either I was running stadium steps or I was on a, when you said treadmill, and I remember somewhere I just stopped, like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, it wasn't, I can't do the treadmill. It's like, I've got to weep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't do this. I, I've stopped. I'm stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was the heart outpouring of just sadness and fear and desperation. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't carry this anymore. And um, I want you and me and anyone who's listening to the podcast to know that that that's true. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Right. I can't. Right. But there are people in our world who are waiting on us who can with us. So even when we think we're alone, we're not because the cry out will be heard and there's an answer coming. But we do have to reach out towards those who we've heard from or think about because we're about to get a message to, to who to call or somebody's about to step into our lives to say, hey, have you ever thought about? And we're going like, what? And we need to say, yes, I have thought about and speak back to them. And then we need to be willing to put our hand out and take in what we've received. So isn't that amazing that we're called to be babies, meaning truly God-created creatures who are created to live fully? So when you're at that place, when you can't go on, go ahead and stop. Mm. I mean, stop. 
stop and go ahead and let the cry out start from your gut and your heart and come out your throat and your mouth and your face and your eyes <laughs> and say it. Let it be shown. Show it. And then um, reach out. There's a number in your head. There's a person. There's a face in your in your mind somewhere. Call them. Really, seriously, call yeah. them. Or if, if there's a counselor who you've heard about, if there's, and and you know anybody will do almost, but ultimately you're looking for somebody who's looking for you. In other words, they've got a heart where they know what it is to struggle too. Yeah. They're not better at it. They're just simply a little farther down the road, mm-hmm. and they're willing to stop or come back and say, "Hey, this is the way. Walk in it. You're not you're not by yourself. Yeah. You have to do it on your own. We mm-hmm. all carry our own lives, but nobody does it alone." So I love I love that ending, Annie, because almost everyone who is alive has somewhere awareness of that whisper within them that this could all end, it's going so well, or I want it to be different now, or yes. I don't know if I can take this anymore. Yes. And it's there's terrified of stopping. But you know what? The truth is, either we deal with it or it will deal with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah, yeah. No. I love that, that there's a first phone call you can make. It doesn't have to be your last one. No. But there's a first one that's the right person for now. Yeah. And then let's get into counseling. Let's. Yeah. I mean, isn't it funny that the only people who are real active about having a mentor in place are people in recovery? They're the only ones who really go out and get a sponsor. Yeah. I'm like, I think we all actually need to go get sponsors. Everybody, <laughs> every one of us needs guides. Yes. And, you know, I'm watching this grow. Um, I think that the... the, the Younger folks are tuning in more to the idea that I need somebody to show me how to do this. Mm-hmm. The world's gotten so big mm-hmm. that you can't Google wisdom. Right. You know, you can Google <laughs> how to put everything up a Everything else, yes. We can Google everything else. But the b- big mistake is older people need to get wise, mm-hmm. right? We, we need to be wise. We need to be able to share the experience, strength, and hope of how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. Not the list of ladders, we used rungs, right. but the list, the story of the struggle of how we got here. Yeah. Otherwise, we got nothing to say. Yeah. And young people or younger people are awakening to this. I'm looking for something, like I say, I can't Google. I'm looking for something that speaks to my heart, but it's got, it's got to be authentic. Yes. In recovery, they have to have one more day of sobriety than you, right? Yes. And so it, you just think like, okay, when I'm looking for a life sponsor, so I'm 40, you're an older generation to me. I need wisdom from you, mm-hmm. but also I can give wisdom to a 38-year-old. Absolutely. I can give wisdom to a 35-year-old, a 25-year-old, yep. a 12-year-old. And the cool thing is you need an older person who can get wisdom from a 28-year-old. And I'm not claiming myself to be like... Uh, you know, the guru or anything uh, like that. We will all claim you as but, that. That is 100% <laughs> true, Jim Don. I've always thought of this just a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm really thrilled and grateful that I'll be listening to someone talking. They may be 23. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm like, I, I get that. And, and I'm like, I'm learning. Yes. Because everybody who's struggling has something to say and share. Right. And all, all of my the wisdom that I've been able to gather together has all come from the people I've been with. Yes. I mean, right. all of it. We're a collection of the five closest people to us, right? Yes. And these people have shared their hearts. Yes. They got off the treadmill and said, I can't do this. And I'm like, yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And you're about to share some really great stuff yeah. with me. You know? Will you come back again sometime? We could just do this. I'm Annie, barely getting started and we're in an hour, Tim. <laughs> I would love it. Now, if you if you if in the future if you if you have ratings on your podcast and you hit the zero mark, I would say thanks for having me this time. <laughs> no, no, no. People love it. Uh, okay, the last question we always ask because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Uh huh. Tell me what y'all do for fun. Okay, so like I was thinking, like one is Thanksgiving uh-huh. uh, historically has been really good. Yeah, I always think of my my middle brother really knows how to create the picture of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. I mean, he is he gets it. So I mean, the dogs, the football in the front yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to do this because it's it's going to look. But also like really being able to do it. So we we've been able to do it. And my siblings, uh, uh, we have actually struggle to sharing depths with each other. Mm-hmm. So we get together and, yeah. and talk and share. 
So that's fun. Yeah. I mean, real relationship, but also play. Yes. They're already talking about we can't do football now because we're all so old. I mean, I'm really, I cannot do it. But they're all, they're talking about the hillbilly golf, and so we'll see. Oh, if yeah. But also because of COVID, uh, one of my sons is like he's really like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the risk because what it could cost you or others. Yeah. So we're talking about doing a uh, actually beginning signing out talking about doing a, a weenie roast yeah. out in our courtyard, That's you know, great. kind of like a, in the city, uh, yeah, in a country thing. But but fun to me, and I'm, this is going to sound a little strange. I do play, but I don't do it well mm-hmm. enough. But I I really do love getting to have a passion. Yeah. So I I wish I really need to stop the passion sometimes, mm. and do a little more. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? just a little more fun. But sure. I really do get a ton out of. Um, the passion piece, well, you know. you are a gift so that's, to us. That's not I'm much grateful. of an answer. That but. is a great answer. People yeah. always think that I'm going to judge their fun harshly. Yeah. And every time I'm like, yeah. no, that's fun. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. A weenie roast is yeah. perfect. So you said fun. I'm like, uh, shame here. I know. <laughs> Let's talk about work. That's my job is to get people out of their shame about fun. Um, thank you for doing this today, Chip. Uh, God really bless you, Annie Downs. You're great. Oh, friends, isn't he just the best? Hey, listen, grab a copy of Hope in the Age of Addiction. What a great book to like just read through real quick before the holidays get here. A great book for you to have on hand. If addiction is in your family, if it's in your life, if it is in someone's life around you, this is a resource from Chip and Stephen James that I think you're going to love. Again, it's called Hope in the Age of Addiction. And make sure to follow him on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell him thanks for being on the show and how much his words mattered to you today. My goodness, I'm so thankful for him. Every Christmas party needs a Chip Dodd. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. And I love that I get to talk to you and be with you again tomorrow as the party continues for day four of the 12 Days of Christmas with personal chef, food blogger, and all-around amazing guy, Charles Hunter. We'll see you tomorrow.